Now, I'm so thrilled to have the chance to be a part of this message series today uh, about Vintage Christmas. In fact, when they told me the name of this series and I saw some of this artwork for it, I thought, man, that's me. I'm an old guy. This is, this is what I grew up with. Uh, this was what Christmas was like when I was a kid. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it started uh, just reminding me of all these warm memories that I have. My mom, especially, loved to decorate for Christmas. In fact, uh, one of the things I remember, I wish I had pictures of it, but we, we didn't have cell phones with cameras on them back in the day. And, uh, but this is the kind of thing my mom did. She would decorate. Now, we didn't have two cars, uh, garage. We had a one-car garage. She'd decorate the, the garage door, you know, and put a big bow on it and all that kind of stuff. And I remember helping uh, my dad, you know, put up all the Christmas lights around and so forth and, and replace all the ones that had burned out from the year before and that kind of thing. And, and uh, I was just always so excited to see all the decorations come up. One of my favorites, my mom had a, a life-size, I think it's coming up here, thing of Santa that she put on our front door. And I just remember it was just so cool, you know, to see Santa at our front door every year during Christmas time. And I started thinking back on those memories, and I have so many warm ones. And one of the things that, uh, of all the decorations she put, one of the ones that intrigued me the most, when I was about seven or eight, was a little folding train. Now, this is the best I could find on, online of, uh, you know, what, uh, what that looked like. But just fold it up, and she'd put it every year on the mantle of our fireplace. And I just remember as a little kid loving to just kind of play with that train and kind of imagine, you know, taking it around and stuff. And it, man, it just it feels like that was just a year or two ago. And uh, that's the way memories uh, can work. And the more I got to thinking about that, I was reminded of one Christmas when I was about seven years old, something like that. My dad was a pastor, and one of the dumbest ideas he ever had as a pastor was on Christmas Eve. Now, at our house, Christmas Eve is when we unwrapped all of our presents to each other, and then Santa showed up on Christmas morning, okay? That's kind of how it worked. And my dad had planned, hey... Let's get together at the church and do a communion service at 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Nothing wrong with doing that. Communion is a great idea. It just was a dumb idea to do it at 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And I remember he was so excited about it. We got to church and I went in and they'd set up, you know, the communion table and they were going to do it by candlelight and, you know, this real fancy setting. They had set the thing up and I remember. Uh, just thinking, well, we still got time yet. I went out to the car. I fell asleep in our car. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up and my sister is saying to me, you're in big trouble. <laughs> and I said, oh, no. Did I, did I sleep? Did I fall asleep out here and I, I didn't go into church? And she said, no, you went into church. And I said, what? And she said, yeah. In fact... You walked right up to the front where dad was, and, and he even said, Steve, is everything okay? And you just kind of looked around, and you walked right out of the building. <laughs> as far as I know, that is the only time I have ever sleepwalked in my entire life. But I did. And my sister said, man, you're in big trouble. You're going to get it now. And my biggest fear was not that my dad would punish me, but that 
Santa would put me on his naughty list as a result of that, you know. And so freak me out. I just have to tell you, my dad didn't even say a word to me about it. I think he kind of caught on uh, what was happening. But, you know, that really put me to thinking about the fact. There's a lot of people this season of the year that are just sleeping, walking their way through Christmas. And so I've been invited to talk to you today about the difference that, that reflection during this season makes. And in fact, I've entitled my message today, Finding Jesus in This Holiday Season, because it's, it's interesting to me that Jesus can get lost in the shuffle of stuff. Uh, I want to read to you this passage of scripture I know is somewhat familiar. It's reprinted on your notes for those of you who want to look at it. You know the story, you hear it every year. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger because there was no place for them to, to stay. And, uh, but then it tells us this, Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You would be too. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then the angel adds this. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Now, I've chosen to read this passage of scripture because, you know, it's interesting to me here. The angels had to tell them where to look and how to recognize Jesus because they would find him in a totally unexpected place, in a manger. Now, shepherds knew what a manger was. They worked with sheep for crying out loud. But they did not expect that that it's where they would find Jesus. And when they found him, they told people about it, and people were amazed. Now, I just want you to write this simple truth down. From that Christmas to this, Jesus can be missed. Because if they hadn't been told where to find him, they'd have never located him. You'd have never dreamed that he was lying in a manger. And while there were people that they told about it, that obviously means there are some people in Bethlehem absolutely clueless of what had happened in that little town where they were staying. And you know, there are people like that today living in this amazing season 
sleepwalking through what it's all about, and they're missing Jesus. And he is the great gift. I love Pastor Ronnie's message last week that Jesus is the great gift of God given to us at Christmas time. And you know, it's interesting to me, out of all the words you're going to hear at the Christmas season, there's one word you're going to hear more than any other, and it's not Christmas, it's not Jesus, it's not Santa, it's not tree, it's gift. You'll hear that word more than any, and, and Jesus is the gift at Christmas. Now, if that's true, he's got to be the most overlooked and unopened gift because people miss Jesus. Now, how do we not do that? How do we not sleepwalk our way through Christmas? I want to give you four choices you can make that are going to make a difference. And, you know, these are true not only at Christmas. They're especially true at Christmas. But they're true all year through. And here's the first one. And that is to reserve a time daily for a mental tune-up. Now, we're living in a day where, I mean, you know, life is hard. Can I get an amen to that? And it's constantly trying to throw stuff at you and inform you of things and get your attention and pulling and pushing. And, and you know, the, the question I want to just ask you is, what do you do every day to set your attitude? Because no one has the power to set your attitude but you. And the question I want to ask you is, is mentally, what, what do you do to determine the mindset with which you're going to face the day. You know, we, we set our coffee pots to go off in the morning. We set our microwave to warm our breakfast. We set our thermostats. We set our agendas for the day. We even may, you know, set or plot with GPS a route that we're going to have to take to our first appointment of the day. And, and, and what I want to say to you is how, how do you decide what carries the most weight for you in figuring out the attitude you're going to face the day with. See, it's what Zig Ziglar used to call getting a checkup from the neck up. And I want to suggest to you the best thing you can do all the time, not just at Christmas, but especially at Christmas, is reserve some time where you mentally tune in to God's truth. Now, the Bible puts it this way. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, it says, uh, says this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And interestingly, the background, the setting here, Jesus was fasting in the wilderness, preparing for the beginning of his ministry. But while he was fasting from food, he was feasting on the word of God. He was fortifying his spirit and equipping himself for what he knew the next three years of challenge were going to be. And he said, it's the word of God that we live on. In the book of Job, in the Old Testament, Job says this, I've not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Now, most of us figure out where we're going to take food during the day. We, we don't tend to neglect ourselves, and you can look at most of us and see that that's true. You can look at me and see that that's true. I don't miss meals. But Job says, more important than making sure that I'm putting food in my mouth is I want to put food in my heart and in my spirit. 
Jeremiah 15, 16. It's a great passage of scripture, one of my favorites from the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah says, your words were found. Notice he picks up the same metaphor. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Now, what do you do intentionally to shape the perspective that you're going to live each day by. I'm saying to you, I don't think there's any better habit than for you to reserve some time. I think the beginning of the day is the best time. That before you let CNN tell you what to think or Fox News or the newspaper or anything else, that you let God's word speak into your heart and remind you you're a child of the king. You're called by his name. And you belong to him. In fact, I never read this verse that I'm not reminded of something called a presidential daily briefing that our presidents get every day. Here's a picture of a binder that uh, President Bush, uh, uh, you know, every day the president is presented with information and he's briefed for a few minutes' time on here are the hot spots that are going on around the world. Here's the terrorist threats. Here are the things that are happening on the home front. Here are the important initiatives we're going to pursue in Congress today. And it's a way in which the president just says, okay, now I, now I understand where I need to put my focus and what's important today and how we do it. Friends, I want to tell you that more important than the presidential daily briefing is the daily briefing the king of the universe can do with you in his word every day. Amen. And he'll help you do it. Now, by the way, our 201 class that we're going to be teaching today, will reinforce how do, you, how do you do this. But I've put on your, note, uh, your notes here some links that you can find, and, uh, and they'll, they'll give you some resources for this. One of the first is just our website, northpoint.org, and then slash Bible. And if you go to that website, you'll see a whole bunch of resources there that, that can help you to have a time with God every day. One of the first things you'll see, there's three different methods of reading through the Bible or reading through the New Testament uh, each year. This is a habit I started doing in high school, at least reading through the New Testament. And, uh, and it's, it's hands down the most important spiritual habit that I have in my life. It's what I call my daily quiet time with the Lord. And I'm telling you that it brings joy to your heart. It changes how you'll look at things. It will build your stamina and your strength spiritually if you do that. You'll also see on that page there's a, there's a prayer journal we're making available. You can find out about that out in our lobby or out uh, at the welcome booth. Ten bucks, it's a journal that'll give you every day some specific things to be praying for and places where you can uh, you can journal or you, or you can keep message notes or you can write down the things that you are wanting to pray about. I've listed some other resources that you see there. Some of my favorite Bible teachers, uh, Chuck Swindoll, uh, Max Lucado, my friend Rick Warren. You'll see links there that uh, are available to uh, websites that they have where you can just spend a few minutes just reading thoughts they've put together each day. These are free resources for you. In fact, Max Lucado's is an audio. You can just listen to it. You don't have time to read. Just setting aside 10 to 15 minutes every day to say, Lord, what is it you want me to focus on and pay attention to today? Now, it's not too late for you to start doing that for this Christmas season. 
We still have 12 days of Christmas from here to Christmas. And so begin this as a, as a new habit. Don't just find yourself sleepwalking your way through every day. Here's the second, and that is not just to do something daily, but even hourly, and that is to practice the presence of Jesus in every setting that you're in throughout each hour. To practice the presence of Jesus in every setting and throughout each hour. Now, what do I mean practicing the presence of Jesus? Um, you, you know, um, I first heard about this when, when I was in high school. In fact, a friend uh, turned me on to a, to a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And uh, it's a book that was written in the 17th century by a Carmelite Catholic monk named Brother Lawrence. And what he caught on to, the whole idea about practicing the presence of Christ, is he caught on to the idea of realizing that wherever I am, Jesus is there with me, and literally, I want to practice his presence here with me. Now, you know, that's like saying, well, why don't I just imagine the Easter Bunny is with me everywhere, you know? And, but that's not the reality, because... What Brother Lawrence caught on to is that if Jesus is who he said he was, he is the living Lord, and he literally is with me, whether I realize it or not. Amen. He's with me everywhere I go, in every setting, in every hour, and practicing his presence means to consciously tune in to fellowshipping with Jesus in each place. See, this is what Matthew 1.23 said about Jesus' birth. The virgin would conceive and give birth to a son, and his name would be called Immanuel. That's a Hebrew word, Immanu, meaning with us, and the, the name El meaning God. God is with us. And at the conclusion of his ministry, Jesus in Matthew 28.20 uh, 20 said, Remember, I am with you always. Now, this is true whether you realize it or not. Amen. Whether you even believe it or not, it's true. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to understand there's not an experience you have that I'm not with you in it. And so Brother Lawrence caught on, let's start actively thinking about Jesus. You're with me in this place. To say, you know, Jesus, you're with me in this waiting room. You're waiting with me. You're sitting with me in this boardroom or in this classroom or in this place that feels so lonely and vacant of your presence. You are here. Help me to tune in to your presence. What is your heart for me in this place and for these people that might be here? And is there an opportunity of service that you would choose to step into if you Physically, we're here, and you're here in me. Practicing the presence of Jesus. Now, Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've told you this so that you'll find peace, you'll have peace by being united to me. The world will make you suffer. Amen? Life is hard. It's demanding. It's challenging. It drains your battery every day. It tries to pull despair into your heart every day. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Amen. Yes. And he said, 
I've told you this so that you can find peace by being united in me. The world will make you suffer, but be brave because I've defeated the world. You see, practicing the presence of Jesus is drawing on his strength and his resources from his living presence in the least likely settings. Now, I want to tell you, the shepherds out in their field thought they were pretty much going business as usual. Man, this, you know, we've done this a million nights. But what they came to realize is God is with us. And that was the message that was meant to be a source of good news and joy. In fact, here's the third thing, and that is enjoy the surprise ambushes of affection in their moment. What do I mean by that? Well, you have to admit that the shepherds were absolutely ambushed by this holy moment that happens with the angels. Wouldn't you agree? And in that moment, they were surprised to realize that heaven cared about them. Because, friends, in in the time of the Bible, shepherds were nobodies. I mean, they were like on the lowest rung of the, you know, occupations and Nobody had regard for them. It, for some of us, it's, it's kind of like that person at McDonald's that just makes change for us at the window before we move on to get our food, you know? It, it, it's like, we don't even think about them. They're like a machine to us. That's the way shepherds were, and it's to those people that God said, you matter to me. They were totally ambushed by the affection of God. And I want to tell you, I've... I've told you in Christmas's past, that's happened to me during this wonderful season of the year when it's so amazing. The whole world is focused on the message of Christmas. And I've told you uh, before at Christmas about being in Home Depot and I was, I'll never forget it, I was in the section, I went in to get PVC pipe to go home and fix a broken sprinkler head at home. And while I'm standing there and I'm, you know, it's hectic and I'm rushed and I'm thinking, ah, I hate doing this job and you know, I'm muddy and everything, and all of a sudden I'm, start, I'm hearing, you know, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Mary, did you know that this babe you hold is the, the almighty great I am? And all of a sudden I was like, holy cow. God, thank you for this season of the year. Thank you for the truth of that for me. God, would you just help people in this in Home Depot to be thinking about Jesus and who he is. Now, the Lord will do that for you all the time, not just at Christmas time. I had one of those moments the other morning when I turned on the television and, you know, Senator, uh, former Senator Bob Dole had passed away, and they were honoring him at the Capitol Rotunda. And uh, members of Congress were there, and, you know, all the big wigs. The president himself was there just to spend a few minutes honoring Bob Dole in the Capitol Rotunda. And I'm watching that, and I'm listening to their comments. Oh, is that nice? You know, yeah, he's a great guy. And then, just as a part of it, the guy stood up, and somebody accompanied him on the piano, and he began to sing, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. And I thought, you know, Lord, 
thank you that that's true for me. You're, you're, from the capital rotunda, you're reminding me of your faithfulness. Now listen, God will do that all the time if, time if you'll tune your heart to be willing to listen to it. And the reason I know that is because Psalm 23, you know, that's one of the most familiar psalms to us. The shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what this is saying is because I belong to God forever and I'm his, for the whole rest of my life, his goodness and mercy will follow me. Understand the word follow doesn't mean it'll follow me and you know come behind me. It's a word that means it will pursue me. That who God is in his goodness, he is pursuing me in his affection for me, his goodness and his mercy. And that word mercy is an amazing word. Sometimes translated kindness, sometimes translated love, unending love covenant love and God is saying you know what for the whole rest of your life I want to do just what I did with the shepherds and that is I want to speak my affections to you and what I want to say to you is even maybe some of those warm memories of Christmas that you have those were moments in your life when God was trying to give you a taste of his love his warmth for you of the joys that he's planning to share with you throughout all eternity. Just giving you a little taste of that. And letting you do in those moments exactly what Mary did. Stop and ponder them in my heart. Because God has given you the capacity as a human being to remember things and remember his goodness as if it happened yesterday. Number four. Can you see why these things will change your life if you'll do them? Yeah. And, and we can do all these things. Here's the fourth one, and that is contribute your part consciously to a season of wonder. And what I mean by that is to say, okay, Lord, how, how can I get into this season? Especially this season. This is the most wonderful time of the year. When, when people are constantly surrounded with reminders of who Jesus is and the good news that God came to us in the form of a babe. And when our imaginations are captured by things of wonder. And you and I get to help be a part of creating that kind of a season. I felt that the other night. Uh, our small group decided to, we, we meet together on Tuesday night. And uh, we decided to walk down Christmas Tree Lane. And just to, you know, we didn't have our small group meeting. But we got together as a small group. Had a bite to eat. Went out and walked Christmas Tree Lane. About a, about a mile of it or so. And, uh, and I was just really surprised. You know, I got there, and honestly, I'd been thinking about stuff and, you know, things on my mind and engaging with people and stuff. But we got out and started walking the lane, and I, it just blew me away that about every fourth or fifth car, somebody was saying, Merry Christmas. And I'm thinking, why did they go out of their way to do that? And... Uh, you know, I just kept hearing, Merry Christmas. Before long, I'm going, hey, Merry Christmas, you know, because it's contagious. And finally, you know, even Santa showed up and, you know, had a picture taken with us, you know, and 
this lady with her dog was nice enough just to, with one of her phones, take a picture that we could see there. And, and I'm just telling you that you and I have the opportunity because we know the Lord and we love him and we know he's real. We get the opportunity to contribute to this season in an incredible way. In fact, as we know the Lord, as we're seeking him, as we live to honor him, we become more like him. And that's what we were created for, to bear the image of our Father in heaven. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says this, as he is, so also are we in this world. Now here's the real miracle of Christmas. It's not just that Jesus was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. It's that he can be born into your life and take up residence in your life and live his life through your life and help you be in his world, the salt of the, of the earth, the light of the world. Second Corinthians, and, and by the way, that, that's, that's why right now, over these last few weeks, we, we've had this little card here encouraging you. Can you, can you uh, get involved in just some specific ways to just try to add some cheer and to love on some people and, and uh, maybe make some gifts that can be given to people? And, and you guys are doing an incredible day. It's not too late. The next two nights, we're going to be doing some wonderful things here on campus with a, with a Christmas toy store where parents can come in and they can buy for pennies on the dollar. They can buy gifts for their kids because North Pointers are generously providing those gifts. And, uh, and uh, the schools uh, that we're uh, doing ministry with are going to benefit from the proceeds uh, from that. It's not too late for you. In fact, to, last week I did it to follow a QR code and just order from Amazon some toys that will get delivered here in the next day or two. And if you'll pay attention to how quickly they'll deliver. And uh, it's not too late for you to be a part of Just to help add to this season of wonder. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says this, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. You know, that's the way God always wants us to walk. He didn't want us to walk down and defeated and depressed and discouraged. He wants us to remember we're children of the King. We belong to Him. He's, a, he's won our greatest battle. He leads us in triumph in Christ and he manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Isn't that a wonderful way of putting that? That wherever we go, because we're people of faith and hope and love, there is an aroma to our life that is the aroma of Christ, the aroma of what it means to know God. Well, I'll tell you, class 301 and 401 today will talk more in specifics about how you, can, how you can be making a difference. How you can say, Lord, would you fill my life and use me to just bring hope to somebody else and to minister life? In fact, there's a great story. I wish we had time to stop and look at this. We, we don't, but I've put this QR code that's on your, on your notes you can check this out. It's, a, it's an incredible video, about five, six minutes long. There's a guy here in town named Zach Follett who runs a coffee shop called Cup of Joy. 
And uh, if you'll follow that QR code, it'll take you to a, vid- a, 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 a video that you can see about Zach. Zach just telling the story of one day he saw this homeless guy on a street and it caught his eye because he had a sign that said, I, I miss my house. And a couple other things that made him realize, you know, man, something's happened in that guy's life. He couldn't get him out of his mind. So he said, I went to work and I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to make a couple cups of coffee. I'm going to go back, hand him a cup of coffee, and I just want to hear his story. And he did that. And he met this man named Tommy Alejandrez. And you can, you can read the story. And he heard about what had happened in Tommy's life. Just that act of kindness that Zach would give him a cup of coffee and be interested in listening to his story. And he prayed for him and left. That's all he did. It changed the trajectory of Tommy's life. And it's a wonderful story how they came back together over a cup of coffee again because of just a simple act. You and I can do that every day, can't we? Amen. Here's the question I ought to be asking myself. What have I missed out on? What have I already missed out on? Have I been sleepwalking already so much that I've passed people up that I could show love like that? God's been trying to ambush me with his love, and I've been so busy I couldn't hear it. I've had my mind focused on all the stuff that's supposed to be so important that I'm really supposed to be paying attention to that I haven't paid attention to the most important thing, and that's that the king of kings wants to have eternity with me and his family. I will tell you that Jesus will be found by those who will seek him. And the real miracle of Christmas, my friend, is not what happened 2,000 years ago. It's that every year since, every day since, Jesus is being born into the hearts of people who will receive him and say, Lord, I want you. I want you. Of all the places Jesus could pick to be born, that's his favorite place. Your heart. So here's what I want to do. Just to give us a little practice on this. I want us to have a moment of reflection. Just a few moments here as we finish our service. Some of you, you know, you're already thinking, okay, let's put up the notes, get ready, kind of dash for it, you know, and just cool your jets, just a few moments. I want you to enjoy a great Christmas song with me. It's, this season of the year, so much beautiful music going on about Jesus.